0: talk about um, giving, and um, and it will include, and we talk about money, we did this last week as well, if you were here, and we don't always talk about money, but we sometimes talk about money, we're not afraid to talk about money, because Jesus talks about money, and talk about generosity, and giving, and um, in fact we talked about, we're just going to do it for two weeks, so if you come next week, we're not going to talk about that, <laughs> so you, it's, it's like this is it, you know, if you're kind of like bracing yourself, um, one more week, you get through it, okay? We're talking about uh, irrational generosity um, to reflect the heart of God. I was just thinking in the worship about a story that Jesus told where he said that there was um, a, a farmer who wanted to get people to come and work on his land and various people came and they were various amounts of time on the land, if you remember the story. And at the end, everybody got the same. Everybody got exactly the same, however they, what long they worked. You know, some people were like, oh, we've worked longer, we've worked harder than those people. You know what God said? He said, Are you offended because I'm generous? You know? He was like, Are you are you really angry because I'm irrationally generous like this? Because that's really what it is. Because it's like they're looking for fair, and God's like, I've got a higher standard than fair, called love. I have a higher standard than than fair, which is about generosity. And if we're just looking for kind of quid pro quo and who does what and all that kind of stuff, then we never really get our heads around this. So that's why we've said, across all the sites at IVY, we want to live with what's called irrational generosity that reflects something of that heart of God. Because of who God is, because of the kind of heart that God has, because of what he did for us. Lucy, he alluded to it before, because he gave his only son, so we'll never outgive him. You know, people say you can't outgive God. The problem is you, you, cannot, you can't give him already because he already gave his son. So it's like now try and top that. You're never, ever going to be able to do that at all. And, and whatever we give is only money if we give in that sense. It's like it doesn't even compare. Why do we do this? It's because this is how uh, Christians behave. This is what Christians believe. It's what the early church did. Um, it's, it changed the world that these people would share and care and give in all these different ways. When everybody else didn't, they did. This is the way that they lived in this community. It wasn't communism. Nobody was forced to be able to share their things. They did it out of a glad heart because they wanted to because their hearts had been changed on the inside. And they, they loved one another in those ways. Those Jesus followers believed that Jesus was right when he said it's more blessed, it's better to give than to receive. They, they actually decided, okay, let's try that then. And they discovered it to be true. It may not be what everybody does. But it's what the Jesus people did. It's, uh, it's irrational generosity. Sometimes you can't even make sense of it on paper. Because it's a God thing. Because it's a supernatural thing. And if it isn't a supernatural thing, then I don't even know why we're, we're here in the first place. And last week we said this. That being, that, that being generous and giving are not the same thing. That they're actually two different things. Remember that. See, I wish... I wish I could just write a cheque, maybe even a big one, one time, and that's it done, and generosity's over. It's like, I've, I've done the generosity thing now. But actually, it, isn't, it doesn't work like that, because anybody can give, but generosity is how you live. You could give a million pounds, and it don't matter at all to God, because of the attitude. You know, it's like sometimes, I'll, I've bought things for my wife, and she's been like, oh, Thanks. And then there'll be other things that I'll get her, and they won't compare value-wise, effectively, but she'll be like, oh, wow, you're, a, you're a actually a good husband. <laughs> <Yeah>? <laughs> and, uh, and you know what the difference It's not the amount, it's the heart. It's like you thought about it. You thought about me. That's what it is. That's what makes the difference in the end. You know, it's not the thing. You know, you could buy a diamond ring or whatever, and it's like, it isn't, that isn't the thing that matters most. It's, it is the thought that counts, but then you don't just leave it at the thought. You've got to do something with the thought and actually make it count. So, we said as Jesus followers, we want to grow beyond, just to recap something from last week, what, what people get into, which is a scarcity mentality where there's ne- never, ever enough. It just gets smaller and smaller. The, the Bible says that the world of the stingy person gets smaller and smaller. There's never enough. And instead we want to have an abundant, generous life. Full of faith in our Father God. Who always consistently just keeps on giving to us. It isn't like he just gave. He always gives. He's always giving. He never stops giving to us. Now I know whenever we talk about money people have different reactions. Because in any group of people there's going to be at least four different kinds of people with regard to money at the moment. Some people are struggling at the moment financially. We want to recognise that. Some people are stable in their finances. It's like, you know, it's okay. It's not too bad. Some people are solid. What I mean by that is like you've got, you've got enough to be able to go in on with and you're not kind of worrying too much about that. And some people are in surplus. Some people have got actually more money than at the moment. Sometimes they know what to do with. That can sometimes happen. But you'll see that actually God's word applies to everybody. Whichever one of those four S's you might be in now or in the future. And if if this is all new to you, and you're kind of new to church, just to help you to kind of bed it into that, we want, why don't I encourage you to listen to the podcast from last week too? Because in it we described how everything changes when we we start to move from the scarcity mindset, which most people have with regard to money, and we move into this different mindset. See, the scarcity mindset is, as soon as I receive something, even if I believe it comes from God, even if I just think it came from a boss, but if I recognise it comes from, a, from, from God, then as soon as I get it, I consume it. I think, how can I, how can I use that or, or save it? Maybe some people save it, but, but in some ways it's still my money. I receive something from God, we consume it, and then there's never really enough because there's always something else that I want. And I want more. And I never really have enough. And if there is anything left over, then sometimes if I'm moved in that way, I might give. But really it's more out of, my attitude to finances is about fear rather than faith. And that cycle continues and it just gets smaller because I wish I could, but I can't. And there's never really enough. But now as Jesus followers, Jesus says we have a decision to make with regard to money. He said you can't serve two masters. He says you're either going to serve one or the other. And this is really about two masters. This is the issue of two masters. There's one, which is the mammon God. And with the mammon God, which Jesus spoke about as being a spiritual idol that people worship, there's never enough. If you live worshiping the mammon God, there will never ever be enough. It it just won't be enough for you to to be generous in the way that you would want to. So Jesus said that you've got to make a choice. And are you going to serve a different master? Are you going to serve the abundant God? Because abundance is a cycle too. And we can see on the screen how abundance works. God's supply cycle is where God gives to us and in faith and trust and obedience we don't decide first to consume we think first to give. Like God, God gave first to us so we give first back to him as an act of obedience and dependence and worship and trust because of his goodness we make it our aim to give back and the Bible talks about Something to aim for in that is a tithe, which is 1 out of 10, 10%. Tithe means 10. You can't tithe 4, because tithe means 10. You can't tithe 2, it means 10. You can't tithe 50. God didn't say, I want 80% back, even though I gave you 100. He didn't say, I want 60% back, even though I gave you 100. He said, I want 10. Tithe, give that back. And he says, if you do that, if you'll trust me in that, yes, he says, you can test me in it. If you do that... (coughs) And just you wait and see. You just watch and see how I bless you in incredible ways. It's not quid pro quo. It's not like you put it in the ground and you put it in and wait a bit and you're going to get it back. It's not a get rich quick scheme. It's a live wealthy in the sense that the Bible talks about wealthy, which is having enough to do everything God calls you to do. That's a provision gospel. This isn't prosperity gospel. You see, you hear about that on, sometimes on on Christian TV, the pros- prosperity. This is not. This is provision gospel. This is God promises. I'll give you everything that you need to get everything that I want you to do done, and you'll always have enough for that. You'll have enough for all of your needs, not all your greed, but all your needs. He says, I'll open up the windows of heaven. And I'll pour out incredible blessings on a on a person who trusts me like that. Who will multiply apply your life so you'll have a bigger life. And people around you who've got a scarcity mentality. And our faith grows. And the Bible says that when that happens, people are grateful too. Because to, our life starts to overflow. And in the end, you leave a life that leaves a legacy. You, you, you lead a, a life that, uh, that actually isn't just about you. So I want to talk with you today about three different ways to give. Wherever you're right now in, the, in this part of learning to follow Jesus. Because this is just another discipleship issue. You know, I want to be clear about that. This is just something that we want to talk about as part of general discipleship of following Jesus, because Jesus will talk about it. This isn't something special that we just focus on, etc. This is just part of our discipleship. Somebody who says, I want to give you my life, Jesus. Then he says, okay, well, let's talk about some of your money. And, and if you're not ready for that, if you're not yet given your life to Jesus, you need to know that's what he wants. You know, it's not, it's not your money or your life. It's your life. Yeah? <laughs> yeah? Because the way it works, actually, the more of your life you give him, effectively over time, people end up giving him more of their money. Giving it back to him. But he gave it in the first (coughs) place and then he says thank you, which is amazing. It just shows how gracious he is. So if if you've not given your life yet to Jesus, that's the conversation that you need to be having with him as I'm talking now. You need to be thinking about, you know, we heard about how God gave his life for you. To to rescue you, to forgive you, to get you into heaven forever. You need to talk to him about, actually, do you want to give your whole life back to him? Because he wants you to do that. He invites you to do that. But the rest of us, how do we become abundant givers? People who reflect the heart of an irrationally generous, gracious God. So that we can be more of a blessing all around the world. Three things. It happens when we give three different ways. You can write this down, make a note of it, think about it. If you're in a grow group, perhaps you can talk about it. Number one, give spontaneously. Say spontaneously. See there will be times when we'll hear about a need or something will happen in somebody else's life And we'll, get, we'll think or maybe it actually turns out you realise sometimes God is prompting you You'll be like you know what I can meet that need I can help that person I've got something left over I've got some resources And I wasn't even thinking about it But now it, it, I think about it actually I bet I could help I bet I could give something to that That's how most people if they give give only 40% of people in the UK regularly give to any kind of charity at all. And usually the way that that works is if they give, that's the way that they do it. They just give spontaneously. Many of you have given spontaneously many times. The plate gets passed around. We don't actually have a plate. We have a beautiful white bucket in worship. And, and you're like, you know what? Actually, it's not been a bad week. I can, I know, it might be front pocket, might be back pocket. But I can put something in this week. I'll do it. Or an earthquake strike somewhere, and we as a church will say, hey, this has happened, and we'd all love to be able to give to this. And you'll be like, yeah, I want to give to that. You know, or there's a need that you hear about. Somebody in the community here at Ivy. Or an opportunity, like I know that you recently gave and helped the guys from the Oaks to be able to go and do something that they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. People kind of got behind. There's like a community response to be able to help. Those kind of things happen all the time here at Ivy. As a result of that, you know, sometimes we'll be in the in, we'll be doing this and the leader will just say, we've heard about something and we're not going to take the offering today. And it's not going to go to Ivy at all. It's going to go to this or it's going to go to that or it's going to go to them. We do that so, so often here at Ivy. And you need to know, actually, if this is the only church that you've ever been to, that's not a usual kind of thing for churches to do. It doesn't, doesn't generally happen in many churches that people will just say, we're not going to take the offering for us today. But round here you'll find... The longer you're here, that happens. And it happens quite a lot. Because we believe in an abundant God. Spontaneous giving is when you see somebody in need. Or you hear about, I don't know, it could be a single parent who's struggling. Or somebody can't pay their rent. Or a tragedy strikes and the car breaks down or whatever. And you think, you know what, I can help or I can chip in. I can be part of that. And again, that happens here at Ivy all the time. You sometimes see on Facebook. Somebody will just pop something up. Here's a need. Here's somebody who can help. And people, I'm amazed. They go, put me down. Put me down, put me down, put me down. He's like, no, 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 stop. Because people are generous like that, spontaneously generous. It's an amazing, beautiful thing that happens. And, you know, and God loves that. The way that works is a bit like when Jesus talk, told the famous story of the Good Samaritan. If you remember the story, there's a guy who's, who's going through the, on the road to Jericho and he gets beaten up and he's left for dead at the side of the road. And two religious people on their way to the temple don't stop and help. But then this Samaritan, who should never actually be bothering at all with a Jewish person, he sees the need, he sees the person in need, and he crosses the road, goes over towards him. See, when he woke up that morning, he didn't think, today I'm going to go and help some Jewish people. He didn't think that. He was like, no, here's an opportunity for me to be generous. So he saw a need and he knew that he could meet it. So he bandaged his wounds. He put him on his his own donkey or or in his Honda or whatever his his mode of transport was at the time. Because you know the Bible says about that, about the Honda, that all the disciples were together in one accord. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he took him to a hotel and he paid the bill. And next day... He gave the innkeeper some more money. And he said this. He said, look after him. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense that you have. That's spontaneous generosity. It's a beautiful thing. Jesus finished the story by telling his followers, now you should go and do the same kind of thing. Never stop being spontaneously generous. You should do that. And again, I say, I know at Charleston here, that kind of thing happens so often, so much through you. So many people get blessed. We hear the stories. We talk about them at at staff team. We we discuss them and we give thanks to God for spontaneous acts of generosity like that. Because Jesus followers do that because Jesus said, freely you've received, so freely give. So that's beautiful. Spontaneous giving. But please don't let it stop there. It has to start there. If you've never started there, maybe you need to start there. But don't ever let it stop there. That's where many people, it stops. It stops at spontaneous. Even in church, sometimes people will give sporadically. If the sermon's good that week, or if they worship, they sing the songs that I like, or whatever, or you're feeling flush this week, or there's a need that you identify with, and it just sort of moves you in some way, then it's a good thing to do, but you know, that's a bit more like adrenaline in your body. It's like there's a need in it and adrenaline goes to help, but your body doesn't need adrenaline. If you lived on adrenaline all the time, you know, you wouldn't last long. What you need is heartbeat, beat, boom boom You need regular and this is supposed to be a body, isn't it? The body needs regular. So we don't just give spontaneously, but secondly, we also give strategically. If you look at these forms that we've helpfully put on all the chairs, have a look at the form, please, right now. Everybody, just so I know that you're awake. Grab a form. Have a look at the form. This talks about tithes and offerings. You don't have to read it all now, but just maybe look at the bottom. It talks about a decision to make. And like any other thing that you ever hear about in church, Nobody's going to check up and push you and ask you what you're going to do about this. It's between you and God for you to talk about to God and to wrestle with and to decide your own response. And to check what I'm saying against scripture and think, actually, does that line up with how I view scripture? And if it doesn't, please don't do anything with it. But if God moves you, there's a blessing in obedience that always is. And this is about how we give in prayerfully and strategically. Some of you, you you'll hear about somebody who needs help or got help here at the through Ivy, and you'll think this, you'll think, I wish I could give more. I bet bet everybody here at some point has thought, I wish I could give more. Let me tell you right now how you can, how you can give more. You can give more if you plan to give more. That's it, it's simple. That's what strategic means. You think about it, and you make a plan, and you act on it. If you fill in a form, because since last week, maybe you were here and you felt like you should do it, and you, you've begun to wonder about it, and you've not actually done it. But you know, if you decided an amount, a percentage, maybe it's getting towards that ten percent, which the Bible says is not. Like, I'm not being legalistic about it. It's something to aim at and to think about. A percentage to help you think about the kind of thing that actually, if you were to give that back into the local church, which is how the way we discuss it here, to be able to help to get the things done that god wants to done through the local church and above and beyond that even to give some of you are like well that's way way more than i could imagine but i'll tell you this is a, it's, it grows like this i've been like i don't know how i could do that so now i'm doing it and beyond and it, 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 it your faith grows as your giving grows so if if you make a plan and you give according to a plan you'll give more and not only that we'll get more if you're a taxpayer as you know because the. it it makes sense tax-wise, the government add on to all those gifts, so it's wise to be able to do that too. You'll automatically increase what you gave if you're a taxpayer by doing it that way, because we're not just spontaneous, we're strategic, it's like saving. How many of you know that if if your plan, with a small p, to save is just, if I have any money left over sometimes, I might save some, you'll hardly ever save anything. Isn't that true? But if you save, You have to, you know, like you get an ISA. And you put some money into that. And what happens? Over time. I'm not thinking about it. It's automated. It's going. And it's growing. It's exactly the same with giving. If you have a plan to give, you'll give more. See, it's wise to save. We're not saying don't save. Proverbs 21 says, wise people save their money. But fools spend whatever they get. Which one are you? Somebody with a plan saves more. And it's automatic. And they're they're glad that they did. And it's the same with giving. As Jesus followers, we we want to thank God that he gave us 100%. And he also gave us a calculator. All of us. 10 fingers. So we can work out what 10 is. We can work out, everybody, however much your 100 is, you can work out what 10% is. And then we can give back. Specifically strategically, prayerfully, to work out return that and, I, and again we don 't shy away from saying this we believe, and again you might have different views on this, and this is fine, but the way that i 've personally done this for many years and, we, and the staff team and, and the elders who agreed on this is that we give ten percent back to the church to the local church we return it I did it before I led the church we give first, this is real first fruits giving, we love the first fruits thing here, but first fruits giving is giving first to God, because we're saying I want to put you first in every area of my life, of my finances being one of them, one of the many ways, when we sing God I give my all to you, and all those kind of things, I want to show it, because this isn't giving when we want to, it's given because we wanted to, it's already done, it's a decision that I've made. It's not I have to decide every week whether or not I'll give. I've already made a decision. I'm going to be prayerful. It's going to be planned. It's going to be a percentage. If I've got other people that I need to talk to about it, I'll talk to them about it. But we'll do it happily, generously, gratefully. It's a considered response to the gratitude, the generosity of God. See, I love what Isaiah 32 says about generous people. It says this. Generous people plan to do what is generous. They plan to do what is generous. Then what happens? Read it out. They stand firm in their generosity. Stand firm in their generosity. See, most people, when, when we have a plan, if we have a plan to do with money, we, if, you, if you have a plan at all, we have a budget, but really it's a consumer's budget. It's how much have I got to spend on all these different things that I need to consume to be able to live. See, if you're not yet a Christ follower in that sense, you get a pass on this because you need to know what is done for you and let that change you. So that now you're actually going to live more fully for him. But then as fully committed Jesus followers who've said that we're all in for him, we decide we're not spiritual consumers. We're going to be spiritual contributors. We don't believe the church exists for us. We exist for the church to serve the world in that sense. We, we, so we at Ivy, we plan to make a bigger difference more and more through our giving. When the great preacher John Wesley, when he was at Oxford, he was the guy who founded the Methodist Church, when he was at Oxford University, he'd just spent some money finishing some pictures up on the walls of his room and a chambermaid came to his door and he noticed that she was wearing just a a thin linen gown and she was shivering from the cold outside. So he went into his pocket to get some money to buy her a coat, but he found that he actually didn't have enough to be able to, to give her. So immediately the thought struck him that the Lord was not pleased with the way that he'd spent his money. So in his diary, he asked himself, will thy master say, well done, good and faithful servant, for thou hast adorned thy walls with the money which might have screened this poor creature from the cold? Oh, mercy. He said he realised the question is not how much of my money should I give to God, but how much of God's money do I get to keep for myself? So from then on, Wesley planned... And you can see, I've just done like a little uh, table of it, to limit his outgoings to have more money to give. So he decided to make a decision. That year, his income was £30, his living expenses was £28, so he had £2 to give away. Next year, his income doubled, but he still managed to live on £28, so he had £32 to give to the poor. In his third year, his income jumped to £90. Instead of letting his expenses continually expand to do with his income, he kept them to £28 and gave away £62. In the fourth year, he received £120. As before, his expenses were £28. So his giving rose to £92. We, see, we've all had more and less income in our lives. Throughout all of our lives, our income will continue to go up and down. But Wesley made a decision about how he was going to live. And he said Christians should not just be trying to improve their standard of living, but also to be looking to improve their standard of giving throughout our lives. See, you know what, uh, Ivy, something that I pray for every year. I pray for this thing. We have, like, what's it going to do the year off? tell you what's happened, and he just kinda of comes to me. With ruthless consistency, this ha- has happened. In about October, I've begun to pray, and as I've been thinking about what's it gonna be the year of next year, for many years, it's come to me, and I've thought, oh, is it the year of giving? Is it the year of generosity? And I've wondered, I've actually written it down, put a question mark next to it, over and over. Is it a year of giving? Is it a year of giving? And, no, it's not, and something else comes. 2018, 2017 approached, and I'm like, I wonder, I think it might be the year of giving. It might, might be the year of generosity. And i get excited, and then I'm praying about it, and a bit later it comes back, no, year of acceleration. And God did things quicker than we might have thought in that year. Some of you were around for that. 2018 approaches. And I'm praying again. And I'm thinking, I think you might be generosity. I think you might be giving. You're giving. And then I really felt like God eventually was like, will you ever get this? No. Generosity is not a year. It's always. Always time forgiving. So always time for generosity. It's not just something that you do sporadically or spontaneously for a while. It's something we strategically plan to do because we're disciples. So if you look at that piece of paper as I say, that's on your seat now, there's a tear-off slip at the bottom. There's a few different responses that you could prayerfully consider making today. I think to be honest with you, everybody could make one of these decisions. If you made a decision today to return your tithe back to God, and we've talked about what that means, To commit to look at your finances, to consider that, and start a giving journey. Maybe you could do that. Or perhaps an offering, to give an offering for the first time. Then let us know about it. We want to celebrate with you as you take this step, because we recognise all of these are spiritual moments whenever a person does them. Have you ever really thought about planning your giving? Or have you done that recently? Have you reviewed it? It's good to give spontaneously. The truth is, it's only when we get strategic and prayerful and plan what to give and where to give that we start to see God make a bigger difference. And the way that this works as Ivy as a church is that this is how we do our ministry as a church. That we run budgets this way. You know? I mean, you could say, look, I've had people say this kind of thing. If if God ever gave me a million pounds, I'd give half of it to Ivy. I've actually had people say that. And you know what, two things I want to say about that. Number one, no you won't. I never say that to them. But it's like, no, because the only way I'd believe you if you were now giving half of your income to Ivy. Because the amount of money won't change your generosity, ultimately. And secondly, I'd also say, well, we're not going to plan anything on the basis of that. Thank you. <laughs> because we can't. Because we don't know what you're going to give, so we don't know. What we're going to spend as a result of what you're going to give see so many people give generously at the beginning of the year with first fruits it's amazing it's our biggest offering we're so grateful for everybody you gave whatever you gave into that it's, it's rounded out about one hundred and thirty thousand pounds this year for us to be able to and, and it's you know for all kinds of new opportunities that we don't even know what they are yet but god will give them to us it's fantastic to have that over and above what people already give and it's not even, as I say, for a big need or opportunity. Why is that offering so big? I was thinking about it. I'll tell you why it's so big. The reason is because people plan to give. That's it. People plan to be generous. We say, God, because of who we are, we're going to choose to rain it in at Christmas, if you remember this, and give it in, in the new year. Generous people plan to be generous. And because they are, generosity happens. And God does miracles as a result of that. So we give... Spontaneously, we give strategically. We're nearly done. Final one. Sacrificially. And give sacrificially. There's so many examples of sacrificial giving in the scripture. But none more so than in Mark chapter 12 I think. When he wrote about the day that Jesus sat down. And he actually watched the people who were bringing their offerings in the temple. Do you remember that? That's what he says he did. He sat down and he watched what was going on. I mean how rude is that? We don't do that. When the offering comes round, you know, Lucy's not... Oh, Lucy sometimes, does she says that's It's all right. <laughs> but Jesus sits and watches. And he knows hearts. He doesn't just know amounts. He says what we do with our treasure reflects what's going on in our hearts. So he says this, many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few pennies. Calling his disciples together, Jesus said that, this is so powerful. He said... Truly, this woman, this woman who's been living off scraps, perhaps, as a widow. She's put in more than all the others. Because this isn't about monetary amounts. They gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all that she had to live on. Two things that grab me about that. First of all, as I say, is that Jesus watched. And for him, it wasn't what they gave that mattered so much in terms of... um, you know, that that the monetary amounts. It was it was what they had left after they gave that mattered to God. First thing. Number two. The second thing that grabs me is this she gave it all and he didn't stop her. See, if it had been me, I would have been like, No, love. You're alright. You know? The rich people already gave. You, you don't give. They can give. You don't don't need to. Jesus didn't do that. I'm nicer than Jesus. I'm not really. No, what he did was, he was like, I'm not going to rob you of giving a sacrificial gift. The blessing of giving a sacrificial gift. I'm not going to rob you of that. I like it. God loves it when somebody gives sacrificially. He loves it when somebody does that. See, we actually—we're never going to encourage anybody to get into debt by giving, never. But to be honest, though, people don't usually get into debt by giving. Can I say that? People—I've not really heard of anybody getting into debt by giving and giving and giving. People often get into debt by getting. And getting and getting, yeah. and what we do through CAP, through helping people with debt issues, is help them to encourage to look at how much they got and to be able to look at it in different ways and not just to think about it as being a consumer. So, you're getting debt often by getting, and we want to encourage people to back away from debt because the Bible says that the, the, the debtor is slave to the lender, and if you, that's why that's the reason why they call it MasterCard. <laughs> people getting. You know, they get enslaved by it and God wants people free. And I love how our cat ministry here, which is enabled through the giving here, enables so many people last year, over 20 people to go debt free because they decided to live differently with regard to their income and their expenditure. And it's a fantastic ministry. We should all pray for And and we need more people to go and help. So I'm going to finish and I'll try and tell you a story. I don't want to be over emotional in doing this, although for me it is a, an emotional thing. But it's something to help me move my standard of giving personally to a whole new level. And it's been over the years Zoe and I, have, with some people from the church, have visited Haiti through our partnership with Compassion UK. I first went eight years ago on a mission trip. We've been many times since. And the thing is, sometimes like if you get to go to one, such a place in the world, you really should take the opportunity to go and see a really, really poor place. is, is, can be life changing. There's these little hot houses. They don't have any electricity, nothing. You know, they don't have anything on the floor hardly. Little kids walk for miles. Down from a mountain, every day, they get up early, they go down, these two little boys, remember, to to fill up containers with water. And it takes them like an hour and a half down and two hours back up to carry the containers of water for their mum and their sisters in this little hut at the top of the mountain. There's a rubbish dump right over there and there's people living on the rubbish dump. And then you get invited into the little house and these people give you their very best and they wash your hands with the water that's a sacrificial gift there's a village called leagan we do a church-to-church partnership there at the epicenter of the earthquake in, when that hit in 2010 the pastor pastor menard lost everything many people from his own family died the church was flattened As a result, Ivy, over the years, people from Ivy have raised hundreds of thousands of pounds. We've got over 200 kids that are sponsored through people at Ivy. This is over and above everything else that people give into the church. Zoe and I sponsor a few kids there. And you go, and they give. I have this wooden plaque in my office that they gave last time that I went. It was a treasured possession of mine. Last time, I'm talking to the pastor, Pastor Menard. And we sponsor his son, Sam. And I said to him, how can we pray for you? What can we do for you? And I'm kind of thinking that he's going to say, maybe you can help with this for Sam or that, or we could do this and all that. And he said, well, you know what? Out there, he points out of the window, just over there, there's a really poor area. And we'd love to go and help those people. We'd love to plant a church to reach and help those people. Could you pray for that, please? And I'm like, God, make me more like that. He's not asking for himself for his church. And I'm fighting back the tears. And we're all crying. And then the the ladies come. All the ladies get flowers. Beautiful arrangements that have been made. Because these people just want to give their best. All the time. And I'm like, God, I want to be more like that. So I want to ask you. When was the last time you received the blessing of giving a sacrificial gift? When was the last time you gave in such a way that you felt it? And you did it because you love people or you love God so much, and you just wanted to do without in order to be a blessing. Sacrificial. Because that's what Jesus followers do. We give spontaneously. And we give strategically. And we give sacrificially. Because Jesus loves us and we love him. So I want to be clear for a minute as we take up the offering. This is not an offering where we're just asking you to give. I'm not asking you to give. We're asking you to be generous. And you don't have to give anything into this today to be a generous person. Maybe you're not ready for that. The two things are not the same. As a leader at Ivy, I want to ask you to be generous the way that God loves you to be able to give back to him. I'm going to ask you to plan strategically, to give radically and sacrificially and generously and regularly to a church. And and the the, the, the other things that God tells you to as well... And he will meet your needs. And notice I didn't say to our church. I said, hey church, if you don't believe in me, if you don't believe in the vision of this church, please don't ever give here. But I urge you, if you're a Jesus follower, get involved with a church where you will serve and you will give. Somewhere in a storehouse that you'll get fed from. Jesus loves the church. Jesus died for the church. None of them are perfect. But find a church, get behind it, and be a giver. Be a tither into that church, because the Bible says you'll be blessed if you do that. And you'll live a bigger life. Let me tell you what we don't do. We don't play, pass the offering plate multiple times here. We don't try and pressure people. We model generosity, and we do teach on it. Many times we give it away over and over again. We don't get in front of you and beg, beg, beg for money. We've never done that. We're never going to do that. We don't put a thermometer outside of any of our buildings asking unbelievers to keep the roof on that's demeaning to the glory of god in all my years of ministry i've never stood and begged anybody to bail us out because of bad planning oh please help we did this we were wrong with the money and now we messed up and you've got to help us we promised this and now we can't afford it no we've never done that what we do is we plan to give we plan to spend we plan to do the ministry all the accounts are available for anybody to come and ask any questions that they want to and we give above and beyond through first fruits too and we just invite people to partner with us to help us help more people find their way back to god it's simple this is what we do We, we meet people with real needs we help people out of serious debt we steward our personal finances with integrity as leaders of the church we back away from debt we give with irrational generosity Everybody out there, by the way, wants you to wants your money. If you're like the churches after my money, no. Everybody out there wants you to spend your money. We want you to give. It's very different. We want, we want to lead the way with irrational generosity. Because Jesus said that the day that you do that, the first day you give, you open an account that will never, ever rust. It's never going to be stolen away it'll all be remembered it's a heavenly bank account so with God's help we'll prayerfully steward the resources that we're given we're a debt free church thank you Lord when we give to help other people missions, ministries, churches all around the world to help more people lead lead more people to Jesus it's because we have an abundance mindset not a scarcity one and we invite you to be part of that so I've got one more question to ask you Are you a part of we? When I say we do this, imagine what could happen if the Church of Jesus Christ, what could happen, what could we do if all the people who come don't just occasionally, sporadically, spontaneously give, but decided to strategically and abundantly give up to 10% and beyond. What do you think can happen when we, as Jesus' followers, give sacrificially? I'd love to see what that means. I'd love it. I think God would too can't imagine but then the bible says this now to him he was able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask think or imagine according to his power that is at work in us and glorified in the church we often don't finish that through the church what could happen in our lifetime in our time through ivy church so that jesus name would be glorified as more and more generous people in a church rise up and say this is what we'll do because this is who we are. Because of what he did, this is what we do. Please stand to be able to pray. Just talk to God for a moment. Yourself. Listen to him. And Father, we pray today that you would inspire us. To be your church. Your generous church. Sharing your love all over the world. Have a look, look at that form for a minute if you want. I want you to think about it. What's your next step? It might not be that you give any money today. It might be just that your commitment is, I'm going to look at this. I'm going to pray at this. And you make a covenant. You make a commitment with God. You write your name on that form. And you say, I'm going to do that. And as you pray and nobody looking around, those who are Jesus followers, talking to your Lord and Saviour, would you dare to say, Lord help me to be more generous. When nobody but you is looking, when it's not the amount but the attitude that counts, please help me and fill me with your spirit so I can give more spontaneously, strategically and sacrificially. And if you mean that prayer as I was praying it, this is a solemn moment, not because anybody else is doing it, but as a personal decision. Would you just raise your hand now? I'd like to pray for a blessing on you in that decision. If you're saying, I want to give more spontaneously, strategically, and sacrificially. Thank you, Jesus. And again, the way you can do that, make that commitment real, is by filling in that form and putting it in the basket or leaving it on the seat or giving it to one of the leaders here. The Lord bless you in that decision. You'll never outgive God. Father, today, I pray that you'd show us, as Jesus followers, more needs that we can spontaneously meet in the lives of more and more people. But may we never stop there. Make us strategic in how we use what you've given us as tithers, blessed, to be a blessing. And we worship you, Lord. We're going to sing in a moment as we do that and as the buckets go around. But first, we're putting you first in all things. Make us irrationally generous. as you keep praying today there's some people that if we were to sit down from you right across face to face and I said to you where do you stand with God you might not know you might hesitate even in the back of your mind as we've been talking about all of this you're like I'm not sure and I've done wrong things in my life and I've lived for myself I'm not sure if I'm even good enough for God the truth is you're not you're not bad enough that you can't be saved, and you're not good enough to save yourself. Everybody here is imperfect. We've all messed up and fall short of the glory of God. That's why his free gift of grace is the greatest, the most amazing true story. God so loved you that he gave the most ultimate sacrificial gift in the history of the world, his son Jesus, to save you. He came and hung around with sinners, people religion rejected. He loved them where they were, but never left them there. He died on a cross. He became your sin. He died in your place. He gave his life for you. And on the third day, the stone was rolled away and he wasn't there, because he's alive. So that anybody who calls on his name can be forgiven and set free and transformed forever. If you know you need his grace and you've not asked for it yet, and there's just one person today, it's free and it's time to say yes and if you want to say yeah I need that free gift of forgiveness and new life in Jesus just put up a hand right now so I can see that and agree with that prayer with you anybody just lift the hand up and say I give you my life I trust you with my life that's what he wants from you. anybody thank you Jesus now everybody pray out loud so nobody prays alone Should we pray this together Heavenly Father, I give you my life, forgive me of my sins, make me brand new, fill me with your spirit, so I can follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own, because I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. Let's worship big time and celebrate because somebody just gave their life to Jesus. And that's the best thing that can ever happen. Yes. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.